I am the master, and you will obey me. Listen to Dan Hadley on Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, or face the consequences. Time for Type 40, your Doctor Who podcast from the Spacebook for the Fandom Podcast Network with me, Dan Hadley, Birmingham's King of the Geeks, and the only one who knows where the jammy dodgers are really hidden around this old thing. And whether you're completely new to the show, our entire time stream, or you've been aboard before, you'll find an eclectic and eccentric free-speaking, big-thinking show for everyone. Whatever decade or century you started watching, reading or listening along to the ongoing adventures of our hero, Doctor Who, we chat about it all on this show. Try stopping us. There could even be some giggles along the way. So come and step into our TARDIS and share this journey together here with us on Type 40. And yes, the news desk, well, it was still sort of glowing. It was still very, very warm from the the hot release of all that brand new Doctor Who news a few weeks ago that had us all talking. Never mind us, never mind the fan base. It had the entire media talking, didn't it? I think up and down the country, all over the world. Everybody, Everybody was talking about Doctor Who for all the right reasons. Once again, it was joyful. We're back right in the present at the moment because as soon as that all happened the BBC blew the klaxon didn't they on uh, another brand new series of actual Doctor Who they confirmed an air date and various bits of information for series 13 of what we still kind of call New Who well some of us you know who you are call it New Who I call it something else (laughs) a little about that a bit later on so yeah with it we've got a selection of images we've had some disappearing and reappearing sites of all kinds and there's names and confirmations and all the rest of it and just as we were having so much fun too if i can relax if i can see the funny side of all this then i'm sure you can too can't you yeah so here we are with the time honored new 
series of Doctor Who previewed here on Type 40. We do this every time and uh, long-term listeners may remember that I've not been the biggest fan of this era by my own admission. I gave it a, a good shake two or three times over. I'll own up now. I've not got much left in the in the way of generosity towards any of the new material from this outgoing production team or the cast. Okay, But it's only six weeks, isn't it? Just six weeks. What's the worst thing that can happen? I said that last time, didn't I? And the time before. Okay, moving on. Let's bring on the two people who have very gamely offered to come and um, prop me up <laughs> through this through this entire ex- experience. Okay, familiar faces. If you're used to our Type 40 live streams on YouTube, you're going to recognise both of these. Firstly, let's see if she's feeling stunning and brave, or is she a weeping angel? <laughs> Charlotte Shields, welcome to Type 40. It depends which news we're talking about for that. <laughs> Guess which one's oh. which. Gonna get stuck into it all. Yes, it's very good of you to join me on this show at the beginning of, if not a new era, it's the the final throws of an old one, isn't it? And you know, for all that I've just said, Charlotte, you know, I'm going to I'm going to try my best. I'm going to try and be as impartial as I can uh, and buckle in for another another ride because the Doctor Who community, it is about more than what's on television, isn't it? Oh yeah, that's the thing about this show. We like to get involved as fans, whether that's making our own little like things, whether that's yeah. looking at li- listening to Big Finish or doing streams. We're a very active bunch. It's always been that kind of community, I think, right from the days where people used to staple together fanzines. And I think that many people have been inspired to go into not just TV, but publishing and TV production and acting based on Doctor Who. And yes, that is a cue. I can't quite believe that this man's agreed to come back after the New Year's show. So yes, he was here. He was here when we reviewed the New Year's Day special, which I can never remember the title of. You remember the one that was like weird shaped Daleks. And Captain Jack was kind of back, wasn't he? And then he was gone. And all the rest of it. Maybe Barnaby Jager will be able to remember some of the finer details of it and help me out here. Help and help an old boy out. I, I, I just remember there was just pain. I remember just pain. <laughs> lots and lots of that, mostly. Uh, but no, it was a it was a great time on um, on that particular podcast. Anyway, and, uh, no, thank you for having me back. <laughs> we were both uh, left somewhat lukewarm by that yes. episode, weren't we? So, whilst you know, it's hard to get out of a habit of watching a show like Doctor Who, isn't it? You know, it's uh, here we are on the threshold of another batch of episodes. Do you feel dusted down and ready? I feel the hangover has um, worn off, so um, you know, I think I'm ready for. Uh... <laughs> Ready for the bombardment. I'm sure it'll be oh, fine. God. I mean, this is the thing as well. I go into these... Uh, I mean, there will always be a place in my heart for Doctor Who, and yes. I will go in and, uh, as as you say, Dan, you know, go in with a absolute um, free mind. We shall see. And we all know it's leading on to something better, because Russell T. Davis is coming back. <laughs> that's the spirit, because that's what happens, isn't it? You know, they, they've uh, dropped out various pictures and trailers, and at this time, when it was the run into a new season, Charlotte, you know, I used to get... Physically, oh, I've got to be careful to say, physically excited. I mean, the little hairs on my arms would stand up when I'd see a new trailer. <laughs> and I would anticipate each new publicity photograph. I think that's a pretty universal feeling. So the fact that I don't feel that now, it does concern me. And I do feel a bit of a sense of loss about it. And I'm aware that some may 
may make fun of me for saying that, but I'm, I'm speaking as honestly as I can, and I'm very aware that it's just not working for me this time. We're going to find out whether it's working for you two in a couple of minutes, but before we get too deep into all of that, I've got to remind you that uh, if you want to do some real-time travelling of your own, each and every edition of this show, past, present and future, is just a tap or two away on the device of your choice if you know where to look. Dozens of great conversations, reviews, previews, geek outs and deep dives with our regular panellists. We know there's something for every fan at type40.podbean.com and there'll be more about all of that a little later on as well as our customary connecting call to the matrix of all knowledge we call the fandom podcast network sorry kyle i can't help but laugh with some of these (laughs) for a word about all the other cult conversations going on on all those other shows over there okay so that's us warmed up the Zyton 7 crystals, they're crackling away, aren't they? Yeah. Let's get into it with these guys' thoughts on some of the very latest Doctor Who news. Hold tight. Just to refresh your memories, because it's been an intense few weeks, on Friday the 24th of September 2021, it was officially announced after several weeks, a handful of weeks, speculation that none other than Russell T Davies was to be the person who was going to take the TARDIS keys back from outgoing producer Chris Chibnall, and he'll be showrunning the series from 2023 onwards, from that all-important 60th anniversary and series to follow, in inverted commas, is what we've been told. So we're not quite sure for how long this will be the case. But it was tremendously exciting. I don't think that's an exaggeration at all for for anybody who... Well, for anybody who's who's been enduring the last few years. But I think when one casts a mind back to a time when Doctor Who was at its most successful, then I think certainly as Brits, we think about the Russell T Davies era, that time. So where were you when you heard this news, Charlotte, and what were your initial thoughts? I was, I'd just come in from work, and and that's what I tend to do. I look at, like, my messenger to see, or just have a quick look. And I got, like, five messages from different people, all just, and I was just like, something's happened. I don't usually get this much, like, people messaging me. And then I looked, and it was the news of Russell. And I think it, it surprised me. Because I honestly thought, when I was thinking what they could do next, yeah. I thought we could possibly have a female showrunner. That's what I think. That's what I was thinking. They could go that route. And I was like, uh, maybe, but, but as a political decision, or was there any particular person that you had in mind that would have fit the bill? Not, for that? not really a person. I thought it could be a bit of politics because obviously we've had for all the modern run. Because I know in classic they weren't known as showrunners but they were obviously yeah. all males. Yeah. And and here's the thing, like, I've watched some shows which are female-led. Like, I'm a massive Witcher fan, and that's a woman who does that show. So is the, it's not like that couldn't have worked, but a bit of the back of my head was thinking for political points, maybe that's what they were going to do. Yeah. And um, But no, Russell, a complete surprise. But <laughs> it really makes sense when you think about it, because he, I think he knows how to do a reboot and that's what i think they're gonna have to do i think they're gonna have to do either not a full reboot but sort of take that thing of taking it from a very fresh point with all without all the baggage of what's gone before and having a new starting point for people 
And I think Russell then makes a lot of sense. And Bad Wolf, I think I'm just as excited actually for the Bad Wolf part of this because they're, they're, they're separate from the BBC. Like this, I think this is yeah. the best we're going to get from for, B, for um, Doctor Who being out of the hands of the BBC drama department. Or let's be fair, out of the hands of Piers Wenger. So it's like, I was quite happy yeah. about the bad news part of this because it's it's commercial arm as well. They're going to have to make a profit. They're going to have to make money. They're going to have to make decisions which are actually going to be beneficial for the show, not just to please certain parts of the fandom. And I yeah. think that's what's, that's what's got me just as excited, I think, than the Russell, because he's obviously the headliner. And I do have a lot of nostalgia. Yeah, is, with that's the name that's getting all the attention, isn't it? And it does bring back certain, it hits certain sort of uh, memories, doesn't it? Some some kind of uh, almost race memories for Doctor Who fans. The sights and the sounds of 2005 and 2006 well, and the height of the popularity. All that imagery. Well, that's when I came on. That was my start, my journey with Doctor Who was the Russell era with Christopher Eccleston because I, I'd, I'd heard about it because it's sort of part of the British landscape when it comes to cult, culture and TV. Yeah. But I can just remember on BBC seeing the trailers with the adventure of a lifetime when it was yeah. Chris and the fire and sort of such brilliant and it just captured me. And I, then I remember going to my dad saying, no, oh, what's Doctor Who? And he was like, and he wasn't a massive fan growing up, but he obviously he knew he knew of it from the first run. And he just, and I remember he said to me actually, and I've got, and I'm always thankful. He was the one who said, give it a go. Cause he knows I'm into my sort of genre telly. I like fantasy. I like that sort of stuff. So he's like, give it a go. I think you'll like it. And then I've been a fan ever since. So Russell has got a bit of an, an emotional connection because of that with me. Well, I think you were one of a whole generation of people, I think, up and down, certainly the UK, because it's a slightly slower rollout in the rest of the world. But it's a story that I've heard, I've heard several times. And uh, initially, I think there was that thing where family members would sort of pull, pull children or young people in front of the TV and say, you know, you may enjoy this. You just may think this is the best TV show you've ever seen. But when I heard this news, Barnaby, about Russell T Davies, obviously once the euphoria had died down, I spoke to some of the, the others because we did a live show too that night. I also thought of you because you're a, you sort of came to the show, didn't you, in the middle of the wilderness years. And yes. you've always, you know, we've spoken at length, haven't we, about the new series, but you're not a huge fan of Russell's work in particular, are you? So how did this sit with you when this was announced? I mean, it was kind of obvious why they were bringing him back because, I mean, uh, Charlotte's utterly nubbed it on the head there. Yeah, he's good at doing the reboot. He's He was there at the very beginning and it's almost, um, people have been talking about this all over the place, that the BBC are worried, so they're bringing him back in as well. So I remember when I, I first heard the news, it was a director friend of mine who sent me the link to the um, uh, link to the article saying that he had uh, come back. And uh, yeah, I went through a mixture of emotions. Um, to begin with, it was... Um, absolute excitement because that was a name I remember and I remember and I I, I still think I mean certain ep episodes particularly, particularly to his um, later um, later years like I still think Love and Monsters is still awful and I don't know what on earth was in Love and Monsters and you, stick to your still, guns. you stick to your guns mate I agree uh, with you I agree with you can't stand well, it <laughs> but that, but, but all, and also The End of Time which I, I don't think was one of the best sort of finales in, in my opinion um so I, but I still think back to the Christopher Eccleston first series, which was perfect. I, 
I, I, I think even as a kid then, I didn't really realise how perfect it was watching because I was too used to the, the classic series. So numerous emotions, excitement, and then suspicion, fear, and then back to it, then back to excitement tinged with a bit of a plausible, um, we shall see how it goes. Yeah. And I think it, it all just, just sort of depends because he's been doing very well. Um, years and Years was, was brilliant. I liked yeah. Years and Years. Um, what else? I still need to see that other show that is huge. Uh, it's huge a sin. It's a sin. Yes, I still need to see that. But I heard it's it's fantastic, and also a very English scandal, which is one of my favourite things to come out uh, that year. I loved him. Very English scandal. That was really good fun. So he's a good. He's a very. He's a good writer. We will just have to see. Again, it's just. I mean, it's just. Ah, we'll just have to see. I don't know. No, Dan. And it's such a long time to wait as well, isn't it? I mean, yeah, we, it is. we, we, we look at Russell T. Davies and we see that familiar. He's a very, very tall man. And, but he's so distinctive in the way that he speaks, in the way, in the way that he looks. And yeah. he has this energy about him. And he's, this is a man who's pushing 60 years of age now. And he still has a childlike glee somehow <laughs> when it comes to Doctor Who. I, I, I can't but warm to it all over again. And you know, he's been speaking publicly about various things. And you could say that he's got more... I'm not going to say he's become this big social justice warrior because I don't. I think Russell T. Davies is above that. I think most. I think most of us. I think we should all strive to be above that. Certainly above being being partisan. But I think Russell's always been always had a voice. Russell has always had convictions, and always he's never shied away from talking about them. But I feel that he is a um, he's somebody who understands. Certainly, not just Doctor Who, but British culture too, and how we, as as television viewers in this case, Charlotte, how we relate to the images that are beamed into our homes and the stories that that funny little box insists on on telling us. You know, I, I think he understands that relationship between the between the television audience uh, and what's on screen and those who make it. I think that he would never abdicate that responsibility. Am I lifting this too high? I, I well, do wonder if I hold this guy in too much. No, I, I don't think you do because he is political. When he does interviews, when he does stuff outside of his work, you're right. He never has shied away from his politics. He's he's known for it. But and I have a rule like when it comes to telly now because of the state stuffs getting into. You can have your politics if you're a writer, if you're an actor, if you're if you're a producer. But as long as that doesn't bleed into your show, and I feel like you are lecturing me, then you can have as much politics in, like, like I said, in interviews, in, in real life almost, as, as yeah. you want. You can say all... what you want relatively for me. And I think Russell understands that if you want to have a message, if you want to sort of weave in anything to do with the real world, that has to be secondary. That cannot be your priority. It's like sort of to link what Barnaby was saying as a kid when I was watching series one with Chris I didn't realize um World War Three was a massive allegory for Tony Blair's government and the whole Iraq situation I didn't pick that up but watching it as an when I got older I was like oh I see what he's doing here and that's what Russell understands you need to almost disguise your politics to just but hold I, the mirror I, up slightly, Barnaby, rather yes. than push us I, all I, through I, it. Yeah, I, I still think, though, that politics, he's still going to have um, 
politics in there. And I wouldn't be surprised if those, if a particular branch of politics becomes more overt, because that sort of standard of politics that he's always believed in is almost like Doctor Who's now been touting that for ages now. So I think the fact that it's almost like connected with it now. We we may not like that, but it has been connected to it now. So I wouldn't be surprised if that politics, does, if that political stance and it's and the lecturing will stay in the series with Russell Davis at the helm. See, I, I, that's what I'm saying, though. I think it's going to be a different style. It's not going to be the way Chris and Whitaker have been doing it, which it's is... It's less overt than, yeah. Yes. It's less overt, yeah. Uh, okay, it's like, I mean, if that's possible, it, yeah. It's like, look at Orphan 55. We literally had a moment of the Doctor stood in front of the camera telling us we're all terrible people because uh. of the environment. Versus, because I was just thinking about this over the weekend, think about Turn Left. If, mm. Look at what that what the topic area of that episode is. It's certain. T I won't say it on stream, but it's it's a certain time of history in Germany. That's what that yeah. episode is tackling. No, I, and, I see exactly. And what it's you're one line. This is what I, this is what I'm saying. Russell's way of doing things. He could have had a whole he could have had a whole moment of a whole speech, but all he said was Will. Sorry, all he wrote was Will saying that's what they said the last time. And that's so, all that was needed. So what you're suggesting really is that Russell may indeed have chosen to have, have told a similar story to Orphan 55, but he would have never have made his points in that way. He would never have put those words in the doctor's mouth and he would never have had the, the sort of breaking the fourth wall. He's a, he's a better writer than that, isn't he? Yeah. You know, no, no more gimmicks required. He's a, he's a man. I feel Barnaby, who, who writes characters particularly well, builds characters well. Oh yeah, yeah. There have been some. I mean, yeah, there have been some fantastic. I mean, Wilf is still, was still one of my sort of like favourite characters yeah, yeah. when he turned up there. And so yeah, and I, I think if it's um, yeah, I, I think you're right, um, Charles. If it is, if it's subtle, if it's entertaining, yeah, stick that political stuff in there, absolutely. So uh, hopefully, it'll be like that. And yeah, give them some. It'd be nice to see some, you know, the old sort of like um, Russell T. Davis kind of like characters as well. A new like Russell T. Davis character we can sink our teeth into. People who feel alive, Barnaby. Yeah, yeah. Not just cardboard cutouts. An actual, yeah. you know, character with hopes and wants and a background that's interesting and you, you remember. I can't even remember many of the characters from the last series. Or maybe I've just tried to just... Uh, just repress them. No, it's because there's nothing. There's nothing to remember because they <laughs> they're hollow. And yeah. you know, it's been three years now since this era began on television. Since we first, we have known who Yasmin Khan is now for three years. We've seen her on screen. On screen, she's the one who stands next to the Doctor now and again with her mouth open. Yeah. But we have no idea who she is as a person. Not barely remotely. We've had little hints of of a something maybe of a childhood and we've seen some ambition somewhere but none of it's been none of it's been writ large none, none of it's been uh, followed through and russell would never leave a character like that uh, when i think back to how he was with with uh, martha jones a character what i just thought was mm -hmm. delightful she was great he felt when he created that character and she played out her story played out through series three charlotte mm -hmm. as he was writing it he let the character's voice and journey take its natural course and he realised that, that the character was heading to a place that was quite finite so rather than rather than sort of um, undo his own writing and not be true to that the voice that he 
I think he feels he channels the voices of these characters. I think he sometimes forgets that he's created them and they live inside his head. And he saw Martha's journey reaching a natural conclusion. And rather than unnaturally try to extend it, he brought it to a close in a way that would tell us even more about the, about the character and be seen as a, a development for her, even if she was going to be taken off screen and out of the Doctor's company, which would ultimately be in a very productive and a very positive and empowering way. It just meant that she was off screen and out of the show for, for a little while. And I don't think, I don't think that's not just Chris Chibnall. I think there are very few writers that can do that. I honestly think that Russell T. Davies is the greatest living British scriptwriter working in television because of things like that, but integrity and truth. Yeah, and I think he also, he, he knows that to make any character interesting, you have to give them faults. You have to yeah. give them sort of... Oh, if you look at all of Russell's characters, from Rose to even the Doctor, and to be fair, in all this talk about who's he going to cast... I'm more interested in what Doctor he's going to write because uh, his first two Doctors had the backdrop of the Time War. That was a big event in the Doctor's life. He was, even by David Tennant's version, he was still getting over it. He, he was better than Eccleston, but you could still see that pain, that anger, that sort of darkness. Pathos I, was yeah. an essential part of it, wasn't it? And so, I'm not saying that it wasn't with what, with what Stephen Moffat did, when I, when, you're right, when I look back to those four seasons, even though there was that change of actor part way through, that did very much remain, and one can't help but wonder if that's going to be an element to, the, to anything that he may write in the future, what will he create mm. to, uh, to, um, to fill that vacuum, to, to, sort of lead, to reach into, and, and to, uh, to pull out all these extra elements to the to the Doctor's character because the Doctor never needed any any more gimmicks. It's cer- he certainly never needed to change gender. All it all it really needs is are for experiences and for the universe around him to change and evolve and for him to to react to it to either to get pulled along by it or to actively be a contributor to some sort of events. It doesn't really matter which one of the two. Yeah, I but can't I mean, wait to see where it goes yeah, either. I've got a quote say, here from Russell T. Davis, Charlotte, I wanted to remind you of, of here. And he said that I'm beyond excited to be back on my favourite show. But we're time travelling too fast. There's a whole series of Jodie Whittaker's brilliant Doctor for me to enjoy with my friend and hero Chris Chibnall at the helm. I'm still a viewer for now. So again, Russell, as diplomatic as ever, as professional as ever. As ever. certainly sums it up very well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and apparently that is Russell's very own Dalek that uh, that he's there he's there leaning against in his own garden. This is all part of, with images like that, and you know, okay, you, th- you think, okay, is Chris Chibnall really your hero? What, whatever, I, you know, I'll I'll take I'll take whatever. But uh, yeah, I'm beyond excited to be back on my favourite show. Considering that when he's been interviewed over the last few years, he's even been cornered on the red carpets and at events and things, and people have gone, "Do you ever get any more ideas for Doctor Who?" And he always shuts them down right away. You know, and I think that's part of professional, partly professional integrity too, Barnaby. When somebody yeah. else, when somebody else is is running the show and, and fueling it with ideas never wanting to step on their toes always maintaining that distance always respectful always dignified and always as a writer thinking how 
if he was in the other person's shoes, how would he take it? How would he respond if he saw the guy who used to do his job sort of bigging it up and going, I've got this idea and that idea. <laughs> so it's that, that kind of integrity. I can't help but admire that. Yeah. But the, the BBC sort of, sort of rolls on. And uh, over the last few weeks, things have continued. And yeah, I mean, I suppose the one fly in the ointment really is the fact that we've, we've this sort of... Uh, this bulk of um, it's kind of like fire damage stock that they've got to shift in the meantime, really, isn't it? <laughs> from the from what's left of the of the uh, Chris Chibnall era. So yeah, they started the rollout, and Chris Chibnall hasn't been very vocal during his tenure. You know, he's perhaps a shot a, a shyer man, a slightly more introver- introverted character doesn't enjoy the circus as much as as a Russell T Davis for example does or in the way that Stephen Moffat does he's who does all that sort of self-deprecating humor that I think all of us enjoy quite a lot so it's kind of fallen to uh to uh, the head of head of drama and various people BBC personnel to kind of uh, to get this engine engine going again and for all the various bits of press releases, because there's been a few press releases, but more with tiny morsels of information that have popped out in the time since. I don't think we're going to hear anything from Russell for quite a while, but everybody else, you can't seem to stop them rabbiting. So, uh, yeah, there was a big press event on Monday, the 11th of October. BBC head of drama, Piers Wenger, he was speaking, and they asked him specifically about the Russell T Davis situation and he said that bringing back Russell for Doctor Who was one of the least painful decisions I've ever had to make. How will he evolve that show? So that's kind of what you were saying there, Charlotte. But he points out that he is a man with a vision for sure, but we are way off filming. And then he leads into this as well. We've got a whole year of Jodie to go yet. Lots of adventures ahead for her. And so I think it's just a bit too early to say what his vision will be. So they're basically telling us to hold our horses there, aren't they, Charlotte? <laughs> oh, yeah, because a few of us have said it's a bit of an odd time to announce Russell. It's like you've just got the end of a doctor yeah. coming up, you've got the end of an era, and then you do your this massive press announcement of Russell. And they knew that, all oh, the fans, that would take up the attention completely. Because even the BBC, in the last couple of years, have almost given up, it feels like, with the current run. They hardly promote it. And the promotion, which I'm guessing we'll get on to soon, for the, for the series that's due out at the end of this yeah. month, has been really pathetic. It's been hardly anything. So it's sort of, you can see they've been sort of put themselves in an awkward position, I think, the BBC I think and have, yeah. Well, it's been, firstly, I mean, let's accept, I'm going to acknowledge now that there are people, and if, if you're one of these people out there who are very excited about what's to come in Series 13 of Doctor Who, then we are here for you too. We get it, we understand it, and we are, uh, we're going to cover it all. Of course we are. So, And we're more than happy to hear other opinions. But I couldn't help but be aware, because I have several friends who do really enjoy this era of Barnaby and are very invested in it. And they were getting so frustrated that there was, there was so little that was that was that was coming at all, right up until transmission. And it does make you wonder if they've just lost lost the touch, lost the the way of interpreting the needs of the viewing public and a fan base. Because it started with um, the appearance above uh, Albert Dock in Liverpool 
of this spacecraft, which apparently was a hologram. Did anybody see this? No, I don't. I've never seen no. this one. Wait, it's a Sontaran uh, ship, isn't it? Yeah, that's how it seems. It does seem to be one of the Sontaran ships from Series 4 of Doctor Who. And it was apparently some sort of giant hologram. But they left it hanging there. Didn't really say a great <laughs> deal about it. I would imagine this would be quite expensive. Yeah, it's an expensive, expensive effect. And, and no promotion around it. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even know how you'd go about doing that. All the potential for having something like that turn up maybe all over the country, all at the same time, as if there was some sort of invasion going on. But what we did get was uh, what I can only describe as a, a stunt, whereby all of the social media accounts were taken down. So we're talking Twitter, we're talking Facebook and Instagram, and all the videos were removed from the homepage of the YouTube channel. Did you catch any of that, Charlotte? Oh yeah, I caught it and I just thought this is such a silly way to promote the series because they it didn't seem fool to not... you then. You because lots oh, no. of people seem to think, "Oh my god, it's all gone down. Doctor Who's disappeared." <laughs> so it didn't fool it didn't fool me. It didn't fool you either, obviously. No, because it it it's, it it reeks of what this era is, which is the most lazy, simple way to do things. They will do that route and taking down your Twitter for 24 hours isn't that much of a stretch. You can just press a button and do it. So it reeks of the current era's <laughs> way of doing things to me. It's a bit because, tacky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that, exactly. I, I think it is. It's for a world-class show, Barnabas. Mm. Just sort of like, yeah, just shut down everything. Oh, no. Oh, what are we going to do? It's like a full-on blackout. Oh, wait, no, everything's fine. And there, mean, was a ha I, there was a hashtag, Barnaby. There was a hashtag, where is Doctor Who? But the, yeah. BBC, cre the BBC created that hashtag. It wasn't something that came from the fan base. <laughs> it's, it's such a... Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I did hear when this whole thing was going down. I literally just glanced up and went, uh, it, it didn't make me excited at all. I thought it might have been some kind of like a technical uh, mishap because I wouldn't put it past them. But uh, no, I just it just didn't really make me worry, uh, wonder or worry at all. But then I'm not that um, socially immediately minded for an actor. Yeah, but this is what I don't understand. Like, for the audience to do this to, it's so small. It's mm. just social yeah. media. And and I, and we've all said the, the sort of public interest for this show is at the lowest it's ever been. So if you're going to do any promotion, it needs to be big. It needs to be in the face of oh, the British public. And to do so it to, sort to of... concentrate it just on social media yes. when only really quite a small percentage of the country are, are on Twitter, for example. Yeah, and also, let's be fair, not every Doctor Who fan, if you even just want to think about it this way, not every Doctor Who fan is really active on Twitter or, or on YouTube yeah. or on social. Even if, they ha even if they have an account, they may just look now and again. Yeah, yeah. so they're not going to see this. So it's like, even if, if even if you've given them the benefit of the doubt and said, well, maybe they're trying to get like the youthful, like certain audience online, you, that's not the whole Doctor Who fandom. You need to get something that's going to grab everybody, which is this isn't going to do. I often see it said now from you know, dissenting voices mainly, admittedly, that the BBC does put too much importance on the audience that are, that do spend their lives on Twitter. Uh, you know, I, I use Twitter myself. I, I met some really nice people on Twitter, had some nice exchanges and built up some nice relationships on Twitter. And I do think it can be a, quite a creative space. But it is a home to some pretty extreme behaviours. And uh, in Doctor Who circles, some 
sometimes it's an absolute dumpster fire and and people are hyper hyper hypersensitive all the time and these hashtags can often whisk up just around the most innocuous things that the average person in the street and certainly the average viewer who makes up 90 probably 99 percent of doctor who's viewing audience barnaby they wouldn't even give any of it a passing thought to so if the bbc are, have targeted most of their publicity campaign for series 13 at present because we're still a couple of weeks away from transmission at time of recording they've targeted it all at social media users like charlotte said it's it's only just hit home since you've said that that does strike me as being a bit foolhardy as well when they really do have something to prove with these these episodes haven't they yeah well foolhardy but then i, I just sounds lazy to me just sounds yeah. just just lazy like um like charlotte said yeah just shut off the shut off the twitter and then just put it back on again and then just announce it there i mean <sighs> They so badly need Ed Russell or somebody with his yeah. flair, with his flair and imagination, and sense of sense of now, sense of sense of tomorrow, even about media and about what may excite us, what may get us, just get our attention rather than our our pity and, and scorn. I don't like sounding like a grumpy old man, <laughs> but because I, I like using social media. I'm not as down on social media as a lot of people are, as maybe you are. I'm not. I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. But come on, is this really the best you can do, BBC? Because when it came back up, there was, there was a vivid image that went along with it and you couldn't help but wonder what was it going to look like this time there's so much to prove in these remaining episodes and everything they've given us so far since chris chibnall took the reins it's all been a little bit bland and and then it launched then it dropped that doctor who was back for six episodes from the 31st of october sunday the 31st of october 2021 that's halloween night under the umbrella title everybody of doctor who hyphen Flux. Yeah. <laughs> There's <laughs> our reaction, said. folks. Very, very <laughs> That's how excited we are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, never judge a book by its cover, but still. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we've got this image with the rainbow pattern again, haven't we? Behind a, a solitary figure of Jodie Whittaker. Uh, they insist she plays the Doctor. I've not seen much evidence of that myself. But there she is, again, dead centre of it all, looking, I don't know, looking like, she, like she's made of stone or something. <laughs> the the colours are, are really the same as ever. They've got that sort of amber feel to them. And the all-important rainbow there, Charlotte. When in doubt, plaster <laughs> rainbows everywhere because people cannot criticise that without criticising all those issues and all those identities that come along with it. Again, I feel this is incredibly lazy and lacklustre. And I get that a lot of shows in the 21st century, the Orville, for example, I love the Orville, the, the Hulu show that's coming back in March. They've just announced that's going to be called the Orville New Horizons for its third season. So a lot of shows are doing this, are running with these sort of umbrella titles. Why does this sound so uninspiring? Why isn't it working for Doctor Who? Be, be, because it is uninspiring. Because this is Chibnall. He can't think of anything interesting when it comes to naming villains. I mean, like, think about what we've had. We've had Tim Shaw. We've had... What was that little thing that looked like Stitch if he was on drugs? Um, oh, the, the uh, Pating. The, the Pating. Like, yeah. think about all his aliens he's created and what he's named them. They're the most uninspiring names. 
and it just that's what I sort of said on 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 the Type Forty Facebook. All I said was flux, really, because it it just it doesn't excite you as a title, especially as now no. w- with what we know what dropped after this that this is what the big sort of baddies or the big sort of powerful force that's going to be a big part of this series. That's the name. It does sound like something that you clean your drains out with, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> I'm just wondering, is, uh, I suppose this is probably their version of Trial of a Time Lord, really, I suppose. I think so. Yeah, Trying I like, think that's... Uh, yeah. One big sort of serial coming out until it's, uh, it's rebooted and we, we try something else. Or um, part, yeah, that's exactly what they're trying to do. I mean, Trial of a Time Lord was good. I mean, we may be surprised. I mean, just maybe the uninspiring title and... Uh, I mean, there was action going on in the trailer. I'm just playing do, devil's advocate. Do we, do we feel though that for everything we said about the about the British public, and okay, they've probably lost count of the amount of series of Doctor Who they've been since it's, since it's come back now, but umbrella titles, subtitles, it's again, it's only really going to be the fans that are going to pay any attention to that. I think there's a genuine danger that in the multimedia age and with a really quite nothing subtitle like Flux Charlotte, that people, that the general public may not even realise that this is a series of Doctor Who. It depends on on how often they show those trailers. Because there are all those, if you think about all those smartphone games that they put out and and various other things, uh, Time Fracture, the, the event you can go to in London, all these all these different subcategories to the Doctor Who brand, if I can't remember which one is which, the general public, they're not going to really know. Is this a series? Is it something for my smartphone? Why have I heard that before? Where have I heard that before? Oh, yeah, Doctor Who Flux was a card game that I picked oh. up for my nephew last Christmas or the Christmas before. <laughs> it's It just seems to be more confusion, Charlotte. I think it's... I think what Chibnall's trying to do, he's trying to make his last series stand out. That's the vibe I get with the yeah. fact that it's I it's like not it. it's not like a monster a week anymore. It's not separate stories. He's doing this serialized six part, and I think he's trying to almost, like I said, make this big song and dance to get attention. But I just think, why are you doing this in your last series? This is like the why are you suddenly seeming to want to stand out now. You should have been doing this before. Why do it now? It just seems it's a little bit... It's because Scott Russell coming after him. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it, yeah, no, it's it's very much, like I said, it just... I think a few of us have said this when we've talked privately. It just, the whole promotion so far just feels a bit desperate. It feels like they're just clutching straws almost and sort of trying everything to, to get this final run of hers to get any sort of credence. I suppose, Barnaby, that you know, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this from the heart as well. Hmm. Realistically, stepping back from the situation about this show, over the last eighteen months, it's kind of a miracle with the nature of the pandemic and and a set a series of three lockdowns. I think maybe even four in Wales that they've managed to film anything at all. And I don't want to um, to pee all over the chips of the dedicated dedicated cast and production crew who have turned up for work throughout this, these, uh, these testing times and who have 
made these well all all in all nine episodes that we're going to get over the next year or so they've got them in the can got them produced got some new doctor who to our screens at all i suppose that's a disclaimer that we should all we should all sort of acknowledge really and, and say well done in in that respect but this material will stand and fall ultimately on what's on screen on the story told won't it and the telling of a story does tell does start with these promotional images in in the 21st century doesn't it yeah i mean what we see i mean yeah you do judge a book by its cover that's the thing um yeah we we all just have to kind of like go and see i mean i'm just i'm, I'm going to i'm going to watch through it and we'll sort of see but the the excitement the excitement hasn't been built up it hasn't been built up in the promotion for me and it's just sort of like even the trailer just kind of like watching it's just been like I mean, new Sontarans, that's cool. But even then I have to kind of like drag myself to kind of like think that because there's just been so much in the past of, of this show in this new era, which has um, just tainted it a little bit. And with the announcement of a Rusty Davis, there's that renewed hope at the end of the horizon, but then we've still got, <laughs> we still have this yeah. year to get through. Yeah, and, it's, uh, and if we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, absolutely, exactly there. And uh, yeah, just that just sums it up. <laughs> I mean, when when we uh, first got the first trailer, the first trailer was a teaser trailer, Charlotte. You know what? It only lasted twenty seconds, and I couldn't be bothered watching it. <laughs> just oh, twenty seconds of my time. Tw- I did. I watched it two days ago. Twenty seconds of my time, and I couldn't be. I couldn't be bothered. Now, I know that that's just me speaking and being a little cynical. I've been open how I feel about this. I'm completely disenfranchised. But when I did see it, all I got was more of that breaking the fourth wall of, of Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor telling me that I've got to be excited. <laughs> there's this, there's that, there's the yeah. other. Trying no, to watched- convince me. Like a wasp at a picnic. There she is all over again. And... It just turned me. It just turned me right off. Yeah, no, I, I watched it because I'm also going to be watching series thirteen. So I was like, I need to start watching the trailers a bit more now and actually sort of almost dipping my toe in and getting ready. And I'm going to be honest. And for people who don't know my opinion, I don't like Jodie Whittaker's portrayal. I really think that she is doing a really bad impression. And when she's not doing a bad impression, she's failing miserably to get the sort of essence of the doctor i really think she's the first actor and i'm saying and i and i'm saying this is somebody who doesn't like for example colin baker's doctor but oh, i i will not fight talk fight talk but but you know what barnaby i will not i will i will say he's a doctor i just don't like that that incarnation but I would never doubt he, he's a doctor because he's got that authority. He's got that presence about Feels him. Like the doctor, yeah. Whereas with Jodie, I'm sorry, there's no authority when she speaks. She hasn't it, got that presence. And in this tease, this 20 seconds, all I saw was a woman shouting at me. That is all and every time they us. do things like this, this is yet another idea that we've seen before, Barnaby. There was a Peter Capaldi set of trailers that were very similar to this, weren't there? Uh, at the uh, beginning of his last um, series, there were, I think. Yeah, I, I seem to remember that it wasn't a million miles away from this 
at all. And so you do wonder, you know, that, is that, there that was anything that, that, left that we haven't seen before? I think that was when that kind of like style of promotion was starting to really kind of like set in. So they sit down these actors and say, here's the script and, you know, just just nag them. Yeah. And uh, Peter was, Peter was, yeah, I remember those ones actually. He was very sort of naggy, which was uh, rather kind of odd. But that, that almost seems to be a new way of sort of promotion now, kind of like, you know, just tell your audience, shame your audience if you don't watch it. You so, will be excited. You, you will get will on board. You will be excited. You will get on board. Yeah, and it's but... just like, entice us, entice us. What have you got? You know, don't just yeah. tell us. Entice I, us. It's, got, it's all the... Sorry. I have, I've got a question for both of you once you finish part of it. Can you see any difference in her doctor in that 20 seconds from, from what she was doing in Series 11? Because I cannot see any development whatsoever. I'm, I'm afraid that's, not. Uh, that's not a, my, not my that's a stark and great point. Uh, I think she's actually... I actually think she's got worse in the role. I, I think that the more that people have been telling her how great she is, uh, it's actually made her try even less. And I never, the last, honestly, the last time I felt that I saw a, an actress trying to get under the skin of this character was, was in Rosa, a, an episode that I don't particularly like. I don't think she's particularly, I don't think she's tried from that moment on, and the character has gone backwards. I think because the material has gone backwards too. I think when I look back to series twelve, every opportunity that he got, Chris Chibnall separated the Doctor from her fam, uh, and sometimes even from the entire plot. I'm thinking of the the episode about uh, Edison. She was basically removed from that entire narrative and, and put somewhere else, and other episodes as well that had that problem. It only seems to matter that she's present, and and I think that happened to a certain degree with Bradley Walsh in, in series twelve too. He just stopped trying completely, but yeah. I think she's very aware that Jodie Whittaker is very aware that she is the she's at the dead center of the show, that she's the one that everybody's looking at, and that could be why we get more flailing arms, more silly voices, more wide eyes. That the harder she, the harder she tries to be seen, the the worse. The characterization gets because there's even less truth to it. I, I hadn't. You, no, you're absolutely right. There is no development whatsoever. I, I hate having to say this over and over again. It's absolutely diabolical. And I, I I'm sorry. I do. People. The amount of times I see you can't blame. Jo of course you can blame Jodie. She's nearly forty years of age. She's been acting for twenty years. You know. Okay. She listened to Chris Chibnall about whether she was going to be right for this role or not. And she trusts this man. I get that. I understand that. I can even respect that. But at some point in the last three years, struggling in this role, it's to see it over and over again. It's really hard, hard to watch. I'm not without empathy for the woman. Of course I'm not. But for, I, don't, I haven't got a TV license anymore, partly because of this bloody awful show. So I just feel for the people who are still paying for this, you are paying for this. If Doctor Who means something to you, is a really important show for you, whether you consider whether you're going to continue being a customer of the BBC or not, and this is what you get. It's just not bloody good enough. And of course the writers have to take a huge amount of the responsibility. That's when we come to the next part, the balance of all this, because it does turn out that um, the six episodes that are going to make up this uh, Doctor Who flux season, as, as it is, 
Doctor Who Flux. Yes, six episodes of brand new Doctor Who that are coming our way. They are all, Barnaby, all of them are going to be written by Chris Chibnall. So I did wonder why we hadn't had any confirmation of writers yet. But it has been revealed exclusively in Doctor Who magazine that was published the other day that Chris Chibnall is, is writing all six, five of them. It's a sole writing credit. And there's going to be one episode. He's going to be sharing the writing credit on episode four, sorry, with Maxine Alderton, who was the uh, the writer of The Haunting of Villa Diodotti oh, in series 12. Good. Which was, yeah, it, well, it was, that, that was the least I mean, offensive of the episode. Yes. So, what are your thoughts about all this, Barnaby? Six episodes of concentrated Chibnall. Uh, could this continuity be a good thing, or what are you? Where are your leanings there? You're shocked. I, I, I am speechless. Speechless. Uh, I think it, it'll just be. I'm afraid it'll just be more of the same. It'll just be more of the same. And I mean, unless he's had some sort of like revelation, and um, he's been lifted out of the darkness and into the light, and you know wants to you know round his characters well, actually write you know not um, lecturing dialogue and actually you know have a kind of and, and, and for goodness sake just just get rid of the whole uh, if it's unless these whole episodes are really just him unwriting the timeless child i mean i'd be i'd be happy with that i think it'll be yeah. an utter success if that's the end bring it on chris bring it on yeah do it do, do it chris um but uh, if it is if it's just more of the same then oh, there she is then um yeah it's just it'll just be exactly what we what we've been complaining about i'm afraid it does make it does worry me and whilst i understand charlotte that this is a man who this this set of stories this arc for want of a better phrase could be his parting shot with doctor who you know stephen moffat has never come back to it since since his time is shown and wrapped up and russell t davis for all intents it looked like he was done with it this could very well be chris chibnall's parting shot with doctor who. if this is the last doctor who story that this man ever tells across six hours he must feel like there's something extra special about this barnaby's got his debts i have i've got nothing what are what are your thoughts have you got a tiny uh, drop of hope uh no because this is chibnall and i'm sorry he's had two series as having his own episodes in his two series to show us what he can do so it's not like we haven't given this guy a chance it's not like we've, we've he's had ample opportunity to even just have one episode that you've gone, do you know what? That was actually really good, Chris. The rest of your episodes were terrible, but you actually did well for this one. Like, we've not had that moment yeah. with him. And I think he he can't do long-form development. And this is what this whole six-part six of serialised story is going to heavily depend on. Because if, yeah, right. if you think about how he's done the Timeless Child arc, which seems to be the only thing he's done of substance so far, he's not like put little hints throughout the both of his series he's not had like a natural development to it no. he just had one mention in series 11 which was very flippant and then suddenly in series 12 halfway through we got a new doctor so we all just went <laughs> what's going on and then at the end of series 12 we got the big info dump which and it was just sasha the master who I do really like Sasha, and I think yeah, under, I like him too. I think under another regime, he could be one of the best masters we've had. Honestly, I think he's got that in him. He's just he's saddled with Chibnall. 
because all his role is in the, in that finale was just to basically once again talk to the audience and say, "Here's your new law." Like yeah. they didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Boom! So, like somebody was slamming yeah. something down on the table in front of you. You got to <laughs> like, like it or not. This is what you've got to learn. Get on board with, or you are so, an awful but, person. Yeah. So I, I do suspect that the reason why he's doing all of, basically the whole series is the BBC when they were giving him his notes and like his things he has to improve for the, for this series. I wouldn't be surprised if they basically said, "You've done this massive mess with the timeless child. You've put the show at this state." It's now up to you to fix it. It's now in your door, basically, to get this show. And I suppose, Charlotte, that initially there would have been 10 episodes in this season too. And the uh, the necessities of the pandemic, you know, we know that that, that was, that was uh, curtailed. We'll, we'll never, I th- well, we may well know eventually exactly why, why this happened. I believe that they told him to wrap it up and wrap this story arc up probably before the pandemic. I, I think that they would have seen the response to Series 12 and, and have read the room, so to speak. But you do wonder if he, if he had always had a mind for there to be a third set of 10 episodes, did he just cut away the slots, the four extraneous slots for potentially other writers and, and uh, do a, a Joe Michael Straczynski really do a Babylon 5 I thought okay I'll pack all the arc it's going to be arc heavy there's going to be none of these are going to be monster of the week it's all going to be dense lore and, but he's going to um, have to that's the thing he's not he's left himself so much work to do because like I said yeah. in that finale he didn't really go into the timeless child he yeah. just told us so we're going to have to unpack like all we know so far from that episode is the doctor was found he'd been chucked out of a wormhole or whatever that was in the sky was found by Tectayun and then she discovered regeneration <laughs> can't say that name without laughing it is a very very silly name Chris shame so on silly. you <laughs> yeah I think when I see because we've had as well when they announced the, the writers and everything else we got a second much well much better poster artwork than the first we get to see Yaz, played by Mandip Gill once again, and we've got John Bishop as this new character, Dan West, stood there too. But when I see, and it's a, it's a perfectly nice image, it's all very sort of Willy Wonka, just like all the other artwork that we've had for this series, a little bit bland. But when I, when I stare at the three of them together, I realise that even though one of these characters we know nothing about, we haven't even met Dan West yet, Played by, I think we have met him. <laughs> I, I think we know exactly who he's going to be. <laughs> oh God! Yes. Yeah, so even though we haven't met the character officially yet, we've got we've we've got our uh, our feelings about that. But I was thinking, looking across to Mandip Gill on the same poster, and realizing I don't really know Yaz anymore. Or and so I feel like yet again I'm waiting for these next to total strangers. There's no old friends here for, for for me, for us. It's just people, you know, same face, but I couldn't tell you who they are. And how can I be pleased to see them if I don't know them? Uh, have, I don't feel like I've travelled anywhere with them. I don't mean 
planets and stuff. I mean, travelled anywhere with them. They've not grown. The, exactly what you said, Charlotte, the Doctor's not grown. Yaz hasn't grown Barnaby. And, there, and here's this new guy who, you know, it's the bloke from the uh, from the Winnerlot adverts or whatever whatever it is that John Bishop's <laughs> done before. Or I, I may have I may have seen him do a stand-up gig at the uh, Scunthorpe Baths or something. You don't you don't know. It's somebody who brings their own baggage and brings their own personality. So how much of this is a payoff from three years, three screen years of television? Chris Chibnall's been on the show for the best part of five years, oh, and God. there's nothing there apart from colourful posts. That's all there are is rainbows. That's all there is no substance whatsoever well it's I, they, are, they almost i'll say like i like i'm like you i like the background i think that's one of the better background sort of art they yeah, i love a pretty picture but the the, the, the jody and dan and monique just look like they've been stuck on it's almost yeah. like they don't fit get the clip art yeah a little bit <laughs> Do you get it like clip art like they've just yeah. gone zoop, like that and it's and like that's another thing like even a small thing with Jodie, and I've said this like on other streams I've done, she's not even changed her costume. Like, there's nothing has changed with this doctor. Well, the shirt changes every so often. I know, aren't we lucky? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of that poster. I think it just seems a bit too gaudy for me. It's pretty much, oh, it's pretty much um, Sixth Doctor's coat, just like, um, you know, blasted on You know there. what, Barnaby? I think I'm just relieved that it makes me feel something. What, yeah, it's more just or... comparison to what we've had before. If that was the first poster we'd seen from the era, it'd be something different. But we just had bland, bland, bland. I, I, uh, I don't know. No, not well, really for me. Just a bit too. We'll bright. see when we come back from our break if we have something that excites us a little bit more because this has to be the point that I remind you that as well as all these ramblings and rumblings through the time vortex here on Type 40, there's a whole universe full of unmissable geeky talk going on on all the other shows across the Fandom Podcast Network. And yes, here is our friend Kevin with a few words about all of that. And then you can meet Barnaby, Charlotte and myself back here for more talk about Series 13 of Doctor Who. Stick with us. Help us. Help us. Through. Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. We'd like to continue to feed your ears by inviting you to listen to these other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. It starts with our flagship show, Culture Clash, discussing the latest in entertainment pop culture. Blood of Kings, Immortals Take Notice, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theaters, where we celebrate our favorite movies. Time Warp, the fandom flashback podcast discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie and TV pop culture topics. Good Evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Union Federation, our Star Trek and Orville show. Hair Metal, the 80s and early 90s rock metal podcast. Type 40, our show covering the time-traveling Doctor Who universe with host Dan Hadley. Lethal Mullet, an 80s and 90s action film podcast with host Adam P. O'Brien. Also check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast with hosts Scott, Derek, and Nathan. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast, a deep dive into the final frontier with hosts Mark Newbold and Adam P. O'Brien. And check out our newest shows, The Fandom Show, our monthly fandom podcast network live YouTube exclusive show about the month's hottest topics in fandom 
and the FPN True Believers MCU podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the related Marvel television and streaming MCU universe, including the connections to the original Marvel comics. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on several platforms. Please subscribe to the Fandom Podcast Network YouTube channel to receive notifications of new podcast episodes and live events. You can enjoy all of the Fandom Podcast Network audio podcasts on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. The Fandom Podcast Network is on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and iTunes. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. You can also find the Fandom Podcast Network on Instagram at fandompodcastnetwork and on Twitter at fanpodnetwork. Thank you for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. Yes, we've teased and tantalized you there, and we can even clothe you too. There's merch to match all of that. All those logos and everything else from all the other shows, including Type 40, if you head over to tpublic.com. Search for the Fandom Podcast Network and you'll find a store full of all the team colours, but all of the podcasts on everything from those t-shirts to phone cases and even tapestries that will fill your wall, even if you live in a TARDIS. Seeing is believing. Treat yourself treat your other selves and it all goes to support the fandom podcast network into the bargain so everybody wins <laughs> i'm back here with uh, charlotte shields and barnaby jago for more up to the minute doctor who news talk we're gonna try and cheer ourselves up a little bit now do our very very best because yeah we had a trailer a proper trailer eventually everybody one that lasted for longer than 20 seconds and actually gave us a little bit of uh, doctor who flavor I think, yeah, a bit like it was like eating one of those big bags of hula hoops that covered in Doctor Who flavour. But the problem with hula hoops, I often find, is that once you've cracked them and got that instant hit, couple of couple of burps at best, and you're empty, aren't you? There's not a great deal else to enjoy. So what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, where am I going with this? Where I'm where am I going with this? Well, yeah, I mean the the thing is that trailers trailers are trailers they are what they are they're puff pieces they're bits of publicity and in doctor who past the history of doctor who god i can't help but think to the back to the russell t davis era year after year sometimes they were very simplistic trailers but they always pulled you in they always compelled you to watch i think it wasn't just us it was the the casual audience too and people year by year during the Russell T Davies era, and I think that did continue to some extent in the Moffat era too, were turning up to see what all the noise was about. In in this in this latest trailer, we had plenty of sights and sounds that were familiar, didn't we? We had we had weeping angels, we had the ood. We saw we saw an ood in there. We saw some Sontar and somebody that looks like a Sontar. And anyway, some blue creatures that we'd never seen before and something that looks a little bit like Chewbacca's little brother there, which is fine. You know, I, I'm fine with new sights and sounds, but it was all there. It was a, about a minute and 10 seconds worth of uh, furious images, wasn't it? And hyper up 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 almost murray goldish music i thought there barnaby J jago they it it were it wasn't uh, sagan akinola's 
style of music, I felt. It was very much kind of trying to whip us up, trying to pull us into the adventure. How successful was this trailer for you, though? I mean, uh, yeah, high intensity um, music, which was good. It was definitely bombarded. I mean, I was, I was, I was impressed during certain mo moments of it. I think, yeah. um, lots of you know, it does seem a lot of money has gone into it. We had like you know battle yeah. scenes and things, and I actually really, really loved the desire design of the um, new um, Santaran. I never really liked them. Be I remember seeing when the when they came out for um, what was it, Santaran um, Stratagem? Oh, uh, they they were. I just hated the fact they were so short. I, I really didn't like the um, the design of them at all. I thought they were too key and too short. And I think this throwback, I mean, I'm talking as a classic fan here, obviously, but this throwback to the Pertwee era, that kind of um, Sontar and to the Tom Baker era, a lot, a lot, a lot better. Taller, more imposing. I think that's a, um, it's got to be a Sontar and ship, those kind of like ball-shaped um, ones. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was um, interested by that, actually. I was really um, brought in by that new design. Um, I mean, I Weeping Angels, I mean, Weeping Angels are a brilliant uh, monster, but again, it does depend what sort of plot they're in after Angels take Manhattan and all those They strike me as a very diff uh, difficult creature to write for, Bob. Yes. Because they you, don't you, speak. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you've got but to write them. They don't, want any they don't actually want anything, do they, in the broadest sense? They don't want to take over the universe. So No, just want to break necks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I mean, yeah, if, they, if it's if it's if it's written well, that's the thing as well. I mean, but in terms of a visual design uh, prospect, uh, Sontarans win for me. I think that definitely was that got me somewhat. That got me intrigued. That is the most. That's probably the most memorable thing from the trailer I took from it. Yeah, I, I mean, in the past during this era, I've thought I, I can't stand, for example, Charlotte, the inside of the TARDIS. I don't think we've ever spoken about that, but I think the TARDIS console room in the in the Whitaker era is Lynn looks like what it is. It looks like a set of a TV show. It looks you expect uh, Torval and Dean to come skating across the the floor. Yeah. I think it's an appalling design. Speaking as a designer myself, you know, I've, I've designed the 3Ds. I've designed sets. I, I just think it's terrible. But having said that. I think that once Ray Holman took over as the production designer on the show, which I think was towards the end of Series 11, maybe even that resolution special, I think we've seen some quite nice redesigns. I thought the Cybermen in particular back in Series 12 were really nicely done. In fact, probably the best Cyberman design mm -hmm. of the entire new series. It's yeah. just they went and ruined them the very next episode later by creating some sort of Cyber Lord thing. Seeing the seeing his take on the Santaran here, and just like Barnaby, I've loved the Santaran since I was a kid. I didn't dislike the Russell T Davies era Santaran, but it was it was a bold reimagining of it. This is much more in line with the classic show. I can't help but be excited by these slightly grimier looking Santarans. Being a being a visual person, being somebody who's interested in design, yet you know, I am partly seduced by that. I can appreciate that. What do you think about about all of this? Are you in uh, the same as Barnaby and I, or will it take a lot, lot more than this for you? I, I think, if we're being fair, because I think it's it's not fair to be negative about everything because we don't yeah. like the core bits of this era. When it, I agreed, the music actually that was the first thing that sort of I noticed. It was, it was very, very, very Murray Gold. It was this sort of bombastic again. It was pomp again. It it had a presence because the it previous music... It made you music, feel like shit was going to go down. Yes, because the previous music we've had from this run has been very moody, very sort of low-key. 
and they've been doing that in the trailers or terrible pop songs it's been like one or the other so the <laughs> fact that we we actually got a score and i see I, like you said you're visual i quite like my music in television and that and i sort of yeah. that's probably i was spoiled a bit with doctor who because you can tell in previous regimes they had a lot of pride in their music and they really put a lot of emphasis on it whereas this run up until this trailer i couldn't name you any music i couldn't like hum you any themes so that was quite impressive for me i agree i think they they understood that you have to have a lot of sort of good images in a trailer because that teaser thing they did a couple weeks ago for like comic con there was no monsters in it and i commented at the time i said why have you not put any monsters we recognize at least this one they have they've gone there was one monster there was one once. She got blonde hair and wears a rainbow across. Oh It was it was it was cheap and nasty. And and this one, this one is a very typical trailer. And there's nothing remarkable about it really. It's a lot of fast cuts, cuts images of people people running here and there, people screaming or exclaiming, and uh, various different costumes and and prosthetics and spectacles it doesn't do anything that the trailer's not supposed to do but i think because it's a competent trailer yes and we're not used to competence from this production team it's it's kind of a relief i mean there was one scene in it barnaby i think you mentioned it earlier on which looked like it was coming down like a bird's eye view of a bat mm. of a battlefield with two opposing forces running at one another where i did think oh, okay now that looks impressive I think that Jamie Magnus Stone is back directing the majority of the of these. Although there is a brand new director attached to them, I can't remember his name. But uh, yeah, so I thought, okay, I get that. I can feel that it's making me feel something. But the rest of it, when I actually, because I watched it twice, this trailer. When I watched it back, I thought there's nothing actually happening here. People are just running from one end of a set to another. A couple of the effect sequences themselves of of the Doctor. Dan and Yaz flying through the air looked like they were from 1990s episodes of Red Dwarf. The special effects looked really cheap. <laughs> do, do we actually know what kind of uh, overall plot at all this? These, these yeah, episodes th th that's what Is I was going to get to. That's the sort uh, of, if, if you're being you didn't get fair, it from the trailer that the, the, we still don't know the story from this trailer. Yeah. And I think mm. that that's a fair point to make because yes, you need your you need your visuals, you need your music. Like we said, this actually, and I think the reason why I think this is one of the better trailers, and then I'll get to the point yeah. about the story, there's actually a sense of threat. For the last two series, this Doctor has not been challenged at all. Even the Master, if you really think about it, he he didn't really challenge her. Apart from that surprise revelation that it was the yeah, Master, once that yes. had gone, there was no challenge at all. So even the big reveal, like Good I point. said about, that wasn't like a big like confrontation. She was asleep for half of that episode. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. she's never been challenged, this Doctor. She's never had this threat, whereas other Doctors, you would have that sense of, they're going to have to book up their game here. They're going to have to really show their metal yeah. almost. And at least with this, it seems like she's actually been threatened when it comes to this flux or whatever it is. But we don't still don't know what. The, but when it comes we, to we, the we don't know, plot, we don't have. We, a we don't know what the, we don't know what the threat is really. There's no. got to be. Hopefully, there's going to be some kind of overarching big bad at the end. But we, we have no idea what it is. But we've 
Uh, we uh, have a quote, Barnaby. Yeah. You have a, we have a quote from somebody else at the BBC. We've got this is from Matt Stevens, who is executive producer on Doctor Who. He has he's had the same kind of profile that uh, Bigfoot generally keeps over the yeah. last few years. So you'll be <laughs> forgiven if you if you've never seen a picture of Matt. But he says that uh, I can't wait for the audience to come on the flux ride with us. It's our biggest adventure yet, which be hard with so many brilliant new characters to fall in love with we had a blast making it you know that's a, a sweet sentiment matt all all, uh, all joking apart I, I can get on board with that but until we have some inkling about what this story is going to be because right now barnaby i don't know if you watch watch this show but when i saw this trailer i was brought to mind the trailers that we get for a show called star trek discovery which oh, is yeah. on the Paramount Plus network. It's the, the latest, it's sort of the centrepiece, really, of the current clutch of Star Trek shows. And uh, this is a show that I have uh, bailed on. I've been yeah. watching it since the start. I loved it when it was first on. And I've watched three increasingly, progressively worse series go mm-hmm. on and on and on. And each time a new series arrives of that show, I find myself... They, they offer me one trailer and it seems to be it seems to cast a spell on me by when I see a trailer for it I forget how much of a crap time I had on with the show last time and when I looked at this trailer for series 13 of Doctor Who for the flux I felt exactly the same thing they're showing me snippets of this flashes of that there's lots and lots of movement big something it's got that like you described charlotte it has got that sense of something is imposing something is coming without there being any real substance to it yeah okay they want to hold back i get again i get that but i feel it was a star trek discovery trailer it's some sort of natural phenomenon something amorphous something that will probably be defeated within the last 20 minutes of the final episode and, red I just, angel. and I got the same, yeah, I got the same sinking feeling exactly of the Red Angel and the the what was the one called the Melt in the last series of Discovery? You know, oh, I didn't watch the last series. I mean, it, it, when I sort of saw that series, when I saw the trailer for that series as well, I was like, I I I didn't really get excited by it like like you were, Dan. I just I just kept thinking of what happened in the previous one and how utterly yeah. and the, how the Red Angel and how Control was just such disappointment. So that kind of like stuck with me there and i had the same reaction to this this trailer i'm afraid i was i was impressed by certain parts of it but i just um so was i it, ha- it hasn't got me counting the days it hasn't got me counting the days until it comes but that is only because i'm one of these people who remembers i remember what is coming yeah from. yeah i think that once bitten twice shy and three times it's like you know, it's just not not going to happen and I, I think you're right charlotte i think this is the best trailer that's ever been put out in the chris chibnall era you know Hands down. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's a it's a bloody low bar, and I can appreciate. I mean, I do think that these Santarans. I think it's an excellent redesign that yes. we've seen so far. Uh, it's it's just interesting, full of texture, and very very classic. It has a weight to it. Like I, said, I wasn't against the the blue ones at all. In fact, I loved them. But we had seen them several times, and there's an argument that says. That with the recurring character of Strax during the Moffat era, that that may have wore down the threat of the Sontarans a little. So to see them looking a bit dirty uh, and um, aloof again and alien again and a threat again, I 
I see where that's coming from and I applaud the designer for the, for the job they've done on this. But we, the proof has to be in the storytelling. I'd like to think that there's enough here that maybe some of the younger ones will think, oh, wow, I don't, mm. my children aren't of that age anymore, so I don't know whether that's happened. If that's happened for you and your children in your living room, then great. You know, I, I, come, and tell us, come and tell us about it. Reach out to us on social media. I'd love to know. Uh, but uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel that the initial buzz, like like bite, like the like eating a bag of hula hoops, it was gone. The flavour was gone almost instantaneously, and I don't think that's necessarily anything to do with my age. I'm pretty, much, I'm fairly in touch with my inner child. I get excited about movie trailers all the time. I've seen the you know, the trailer for the Batman's coming, the Matt Reeves film. Ghostbusters Afterlife looks amazing. I've seen some some great trailers recently, so yeah, I want that from Doctor Who again. I, I hopefully I'll get it when Russell T Davies is back when once the Return of the King happens. But with this, I don't know. I feel it's too little. I yeah, too little, too late, Charlotte. Oh, also, oh, sorry, let me just butt in. But you, I mean, also, you can't trust trailers either. I mean, no, did anyone ever see? Did anyone ever see uh, that film, Malignant? This is a, a horror, horror film. film that's come out horror recently. Film. No, I haven't. The, no. The the um, the film is frighteningly frighteningly um, different from the trailer. I mean, oh, the trailer really? makes it seem like a completely different thing. And watching the film, I'm just thinking, have I walked into the wrong theatre here? Because it was it was completely different from what the trailer had built up to what it was going to be. So I don't know. But yeah, I, there, but, you know, I, I, grain I think, of salt. Yeah, I think they they needed to just give a tiny bit of story. And for another comparison, <sighs> if we're talking about comparisons. The Witcher season two comes out in December, and they've done two trailers. And yeah, that looks great. In, in and in those trailers, you you get shown where the main character Geralt has changed. He's he's now going back home. Basically, is the feel of it. He's going back to the other witches. He's got Siri with him now, which is a major difference from the last series. And like you also get the vibe of they're traveling together. He's trying to protect her. So, so you've got development, you've got story, yes. you've got spectacle. And they're, and they're very short trailers, that's my point as well. They're not these massive long trailers they've done for The Witcher. They've done two very short ones. And I've got enough story beats to sort of go, this is where my characters are. Because that's another point. Like In this whole trailer, do you get any sense to where the Doctor is at this point in her life? Or where the companions are? Oh, Charlotte, oh. she's barely, she's barely even in it. You see her running again. Yeah. You just see her running around with her arms in the air, pulling funny faces, and telling us that we've got to be excited because something's coming. Yeah, That's it's like it. it's like like think about the Capaldi when his whole of his trailers was about his character because he was doing the whole "Am I Good Man" arc. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So you great. were getting hints straight away of this doctor's a bit nervous. He's a bit not sure of himself, and that's probably going to play into the series. But it was just a little snippet, and that's all we needed. And I and I just think I almost feel like this would have been a really good second trailer. They should have done a more story-heavy one first, and then followed up yeah. with this one. And then I, hate to say, I think that's what they were trying to do with that silly sort of interference oh, one. <laughs> they were trying, and that's the best they could manage, Barnaby. She's right, isn't she? She's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just oh god. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, this is something that we yeah we haven't seen this since the trial of a time lord. You you're right, Barnaby. We haven't seen uh, six uh, six episodes. 
So you could say it's nearly the equivalent in, in length of there's 14 episodes of Trial of a Time Ruben, so yeah, it's not, not quite matching the runtime. You could say that it's an ambitious thing to do in the 21st century with a family show. Uh, you could also say it's a very stupid thing to do with a show that has struggled to find its audience, to keep an, its audience over the last two or three years, people deserting it by the chunk. You know, literally millions of people have stopped watching this show. So I think that sci-fi fans love an umbrella story, love a multi-story arc, but I think for the casual audience, it's the kiss of death. And if they all they've got to do is miss one episode, and you know whether it's the Weeping Angels next week or not, if they don't know what's going on, I don't think any of these creatures are enough to bring them back when they haven't warmed to that central character and when the writing's on the wall. Anyway, I'm also mystified at the fact that, the, that episode one will air on on Sunday, the thirty-first of October, on Halloween night, but at eight thirty p.m which means that's a school night, everybody. So who is going to keep their kids up to potentially the best part of half past nine to, to see the conclusion of that? You know, th there could be families out there who are in two minds, but are they going to do it when it could be something that, if it's done right, admittedly, <laughs> that's a big if, if it's done right, it could also keep them awake that night on a school night from half past eight. I think this has got disaster written all over it and the last thing that this show needs is to start losing more viewers because again the ratings there was that unprecedented decline from almost every single re week right the way from the moment that Jodie Whittaker uh, took over that <laughs> graph went one way we had a very very tiny uptick for the for the two holiday festive whatever specials other than that, it's been all the way down. There should be a tiny... There should be some sort of uptick for episode one of this, I think. There should be. If there isn't, there is something desperately wrong with with this show, with the place that it's at at the moment. Uh, but realistically, even if there is that uptick, Charlotte, I can't see it being maintained for a full six weeks. Have you got any, have you got any instincts about the ratings? Where do you think that's going to go? Uh, well... I think they're going down because we said this is now the third series. If you've not impressed by this point, you're not suddenly going to no. get a load of people watching you in your third series. Um, and it almost, I agree, I think the Halloween slot is a bit of an odd one. It's a strange it's, one, isn't it? You can, it's not like it's a holiday that, pe that you could use like a Christmas because everybody's inside. No. Everybody's had the tea, they're with the family, so they do watch <laughs> telly. But Halloween, they're outside. So it's, it really is an odd one, as, and that time slot as well, especially if some people are thinking that's just for that episode, the 8.30, and then it's going to revert back to the usual time slot. That's possible. But then, you've, but then you're not being a stable time slot, so they're messing around with her time slot now. So yeah, it's they've, always like, kept, they've kept it stable up to now, haven't they, with her? Sorry, Bob. No, but I mean, in terms of like the date, I think it makes perfect sense because it works the same way as the Twitter um, thing as well. It's just no ma no imagination behind how how we're going to promote it, how we're going to set it up. Like, oh, we'll shut down Twitter. That's how we'll do that. It's just so simplistic. Oh, what's the nearest uh, holiday or whatever sort of day is interesting? Oh, Halloween. Yes, stick it there. It, it just smacks of just um of just bad planning and them just you know just seeing oh what's convenient this this can be no thought behind it. Yeah, I, I the only uptake I can see possibly are the specials. Because they're gonna, I think they they're gonna have a bit more of a prestige. They're gonna market them a bit more. 
they've got obviously the last one tying into the centenary so it's probably going to benefit a little bit from that so i think and the, the truth of the matter is charlotte there, there are people that we know that people that, that are in the community people who are actually on the panels on type 40 live who haven't watched any of this era at all but who are going to watch that last special because they can't yes. wait to see it pub to see it end <laughs> you know so it has got that kind of uh, it's it, it's been car crash tv and i think that wherever you're coming at the material from seeing it reach an end yeah, there there will be there will be an uptick for that. I think that that happens when all the doctors leave. But um, yeah, it's it's all going to be very muted. And again, I know there are four or five people out there who are really excited about all this and and have loved it and looking forward Sorry. to it and are going to relish every moment of it. It's lovely, lovely for you to be listening and watching for this long. We do appreciate you. And hey, come and tell us about it. Come and get in touch through our social media. Come on a show if you like, if you're a podcaster or a YouTuber, you want to have a word, you want to, you want to share your views, tell us that we've got it all right or got it all wrong. We are genuinely interested. We can only speak from the heart and see it as, as, we, as we see it, as speak as we find. And uh, yeah, uh, communicate our experiences as Doctor Who fans over the last three or four years and talking about other doctor who fans everybody before we wrap this up i want to check in with the type 40 facebook group because yeah they've been all over this too as the trailer and the publicity pictures have dropped they've been following along as we have so let's crack open the tardis doors and see which messages have been left for us all here from our companions and friends in the type 40 facebook group neil Pugh says not gonna lie charlotte it's a great trailer so that's kind of what you said i have no hope for the tv series but as a trailer <laughs> as a trailer they have sold the show to those who maybe don't know anything about it just not so sure about the Wookiee, Barnaby. <laughs> Let the Wookiee win. <laughs> James Welsh says it looks pretty terrible, to be honest. So, no, uh, that's that's pretty no nonsense, James. Uh, David Pound adds uh, Cybermen. That makes a refreshing change. <laughs> yeah, we've had Cybermen every every season apart from Series Eleven, hasn't it been Charlotte? There's, they've been steadily oh, yes. all the way through. And the Master, which I'm I, I I love the character, but I think that's due a rest like the Cybermen. Yeah, I think you could be right. Daniel Edwards adds, I can't get excited for the Chibnall era anymore. I've been let down so many times. It was a strong trailer. Let's hope the storyline and the scripts are as good. But seeing as Chibnall has written them all, I don't hold out much hope. It's the same. We keep hearing the same thing. Neil Shearer, he says it's a decent trailer, but the rainbow colours are ridiculous. The only way I will like it if, is if there's some severe retconning of the entire mess. As that won't happen, my view is it will be a story aimed at an audience who isn't me. Final thoughts, six 45-minute parts just needs good writing and good performances to pull it off and to retain any pace or interest. And we've got another one from Melina Cordero Baez, who says the trailer itself is not horrible. Again, it's the same. The trailer itself <laughs> is not horrible. It's better than the others from this era. However, it feels more like a teaser. And I think at this point, they're just throwing every possible monster in out of desperation. 
Will Series 13 deliver? That's the question and probably a discussion for another time. So, yeah, I mean, there's some some people are able to muster the generosity that, that I simply can't. But the general tone is, I think, of a, of a fan base, uh, Barnaby, that's a little worn down. We are. We're, we're just worn down. And we, and we don't ask for much. We just ask for a couple of stories that are, like, well-written and just well... I mean, without just lecturing and all these strange people who have suddenly seeped into the um, the, the writing group, group who feel they have to say these these quite horrible things. So um, increasingly divisive things. Increasingly divisive things. Yeah. What's wrong with just being entertained? And you know, after having to deal with that kind of you know trauma of those last two series, you know, what how can what can they do to incentivize us back? You know, you. <laughs> incense us, you know, get us back in, you know, and they're just not really doing that. I'm afraid. I, I think, think when anybody who's interested in the brown Charlotte is wanted to press fast forward on a, on at least six, possibly nine episodes. Yeah, it's not just the weariness though; it's the it's the fan experience we've had for the last five years. Because for some of us who have, whether that's been on socials or on streams, who have talked about it and have had a negative approach. Also, it have had a negative, like, we've not loved it, we've had criticisms, or we don't like certain bits of it. We've, we've basically had five years, and I can talk from a personal point, of being attacked, of being called everything underneath the sun, because we've got that opinion. So it's hard at a point not to associate that nastiness with the show. And I think that you're seeing that as well, like the fans who have had that experiences are just for their own sake. They, they either struggle to have a positive approach, even when we've said a trailer is better than what we've had in the past, and I can fully understand that. But it's just like, it's been hard. And I, I, and I hate having to say this. It's like, I'm a fan of a show. I shouldn't have to be talking about this stuff. I should just be able to watch my show and have fun with my mates. Yeah. But you've not yeah. been able to do that because of... That, like Barnaby has said, some of the production staff, some of the writers, some of the actors have all come out at a point and had a pop or have said something. Unnecessarily makes... adversarial, aggressive, divisive, patronising and uh, disrespectful of the fact that in the majority of cases still they're speaking to the very people who pay their wages, who pay the TV licence as is compulsory still for the moment in the UK. I can't help but thinking that that will change sooner rather than later too. But this is one of the reasons why you can't speak to your, your audience in in that way. I think when it comes to I think when it comes to the fan base, you know, I'm listening all the time. I listen to a lot of other content makers, for example, and I've heard I've heard, I've been listening with great interest how on this show we have always spoken the truth as we see it, our genuine opinions, whether they've been popular or not. And sometimes we've been um, lambasted for it and tagged unfairly as something or someone we're not here at Type 40. But I've noticed that just in the last few weeks, since the news of Russell T. Davis coming on board in particular, but this happened when Jody's announcement uh, as leaving, it, it happened a little then, but when Russell came on board, it's it's been the floodgates has opened and all of a sudden, Lots of content makers and YouTubers and podcasters, hello out there, are all saying, I've never liked this era after all. Yeah. Oh, 
you know, I, I hate to say this, but we were one of very few voices that were speaking about this honestly. The amount we were doing it before it was cool, thank you. Yeah. yeah, and don't get me wrong, guys, it's better late than never, but it would have been nice to have had a little more public support over the last two or three years. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I think we should. Uh, I think we should chip, uh, check in a little with people that we that we that we love and people that we respect from times past. Because as the times are indeed changing with Doctor Who, the cast will too. And this being a big legacy show, and we love the old actors that have been in the show. You know, we we relish any opportunity to drag them back to the TARDIS, don't we? And we ask them about the prospects of that at every opportunity. This week, it was the premiere of the new Edgar Wright movie, Last Night in Soho, which stars mm. or co-stars one Matt Smith, who you may remember played the Doctor very successfully, brilliantly, in fact, on Doctor Who. But as he was going into the premiere, somebody cornered the poor bloke on the red carpet and asked him the question. proud of this film. I'm really proud of Edgar. He's such a fabulous filmmaker, so I had a great time. And talking about going back in time, could we see you going back to the doctor anytime? <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> Never know. Okay, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> I love they just sneak that in and he's just like, I don't know. <laughs> Did you oh, see the smile on his face? Yeah. He, he loves it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that actually um, last night. So that was amazing. Yeah, he looks like he's having a blast in it. Charlotte, no, Matt, he's your doctor, really, isn't yes. he? I get the impression he's very much your doctor. <laughs> yeah, so the way that smile spread across his face, I don't think he's ruled it out. Well, no, I don't think he has because he's been doing, like, through the last couple of years, he's been popping up on streams and doing little, like, events with Tenant, like, a few different things. And you can tell his love has never gone for the show. Yeah. You can tell he adores when he was the doctor. And if you think about it, he's got a lot to be thankful for to do with the show. Because before he got the, the 11th Doctor, he was known, but he was a very sort of up-and-coming actor. He'd yeah, done a yeah. few a things, and Doctor Who launched him. It made him a household name, so he's got a lot to be thankful for. But I think he just genuinely loves the show. And I think for a 60th if the schedules work for him because he's got like a HBO show, he's quite busy at the moment, which I'm so chuffed about. I think if if the timing was right, I think he would be back in a heartbeat. And it would be very interesting to see actually a more mature Matt come back and play his doctor again. Because like I said, that was the start yeah. of his sort of big career. I so can so imagine it, Charlotte. I really can imagine him playing the Doctor again. I feel there was gas left in that tank. I sincerely do. Oh, yeah, because what I love about him and why he's my Doctor is he he was the Doctor where I first proper saw the age of the of the, of the Time Lord, of the Doctor. I, in his eyes, I've always said, if you want to really appreciate Matt's Doctor, look at his eyes, because mm. there's so much going on there, and it's not dialogue. And I think it's one of the best sort of, I call it, non-verbal acting we've ever had. So I think for him to sort of bring that back, that sort of older man as well in a young man's body. And I think also he can, he was very good at dark, which is why I'm happy he's yeah. playing like villainous roles now, because I think he'll do really well. So it, I just would love him. Like, I'd be happy anyway, because he's my doctor. But I just think he would be a really interesting person to come back it and would, what he would, would bring. 
It would be really interesting. We've got a quote from David Tennant as well. Somebody's been asking David Tennant to probably check this out. So uh, Tennant says, it all depends. The moment you say yes to Doctor Who, even before you've done an episode, you're being asked whether you go back after you finish. Because there's that element of fantasy, anything is ultimately possible. You should never say never to anything. I think that way madness lies. That's a, a again, Tennant, total sci-fi fan, total Doctor Who nerd. He oh, knew yeah. exact. He knew exactly what he was getting into, didn't he, Barnaby? Oh yeah. Well, he'd been trying to get into it for ages. He was in um, Scream of the Shulker, uh, just as playing um, just one character, only because he was yeah. recording in the studio next door, and then just uh, <laughs> came in. He's he's always been a huge fan of it, and he's 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 a, he's a brilliant Doctor. Uh, but that is a, a that, that statement there is very much a uh, saying nothing. It would be interesting. Oh, sorry. It would be interesting though to see. Uh, it would be interesting though to see um, if if Chris Chibnall, let's say, they get him to write uh, if the 60th anniversary special. Do we? He's, he won't be writing that, will he? No, that's will Russell. He? He's starting. That will be Russell. That's his first okay. back. I I almost wish that they would bring back Matt and David for that if Chibnall was writing it, because then we would be able to see. Whether it is a, a choice of like bad writing or just bad acting of whether or not this doctor is just kind of, you know, all over the place. Because then we've got two characters you can, because I still think you can make bad dialogue entertaining, like you said, um, Charlotte, through the mm. eyes, you know, and just through like nonverbal stuff as well. Um, but no, he won't be doing the uh, 60 thing. That's my own element of, of fantasy, my own way that madness lies. Uh, David, thank you. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, doctor Who is uh, back everybody uh, it starts on bbc one in the uk and in america it airs on bbc america uh, series one to twelve are all, are all available still so you can uh, binge those or uh, revisit whatever you wish if you would choose to revisit earlier episodes of the series that's up to you but yes yeah, series one to twelve are available on hbo max but doctor who flux our series 13 is going to be known. It stars Jodie Whittaker, Mandip Gill, John Bishop and Jacob Anderson. And it premieres on October the 31st, 2021, running over six consecutive weeks. We'll be here talking about it here on Type 40. Get in touch. Let us know what you think. Get involved. Let us know in the comments section and across our social media. That's the old girl calling time on another edition of Type 40. But I'll be back with another chunk of conversation soon. Look out for that wherever you found this. It could have been on the home for Type 40, that dedicated home feed, type40.podbean.com. It could have been on Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We've just joined Podbay 2 and various other places. We're also on YouTube, the world's largest streaming platform. We're still on the fabulous Fandom Podcast Network's master feed. Of course we are. You heard all about that earlier on, loaded with so many other treats for your ears daily. Reach out to us through our social media, Instagram and Twitter, at Type40DoctorWho, or you can email us, Type40DoctorWho, at gmail.com. And if you're feeling really, really brave, everybody, and fancy some real-time, extra-dimensional chit-chat with beings from throughout the Hooniverse, you can head over to Facebook and join the Type 40 Facebook group. Five years now, that's all been going on over there. There's always some interesting discussion to be had in the Type 40 Facebook group and with a brand new series about to drop 
that's only going to escalate. I can feel it in my water. Charlotte, if people want to get in touch with you and hear some more from you, do you do social media? Where they, where can they connect with you or see you or hear you? I, I'm not on Twitter because I know what it's like. Um, but <laughs> if you want to listen to me, I, I'm on YouTube. And as Dan said, I'm part of the Type, type 40 Live usually is where you'll find me. So my co-host, and I want to give him a shout because he's a friend I found through this era is Daniel Leach. He's got a YouTube channel and we do a lot of streams together, which is a mixture as well. It's a variety. It's a bit of who right now it's a lot line of duty. We're sort of doing a whole load of things there. So listen to me there. A bit of everything. Chat with Daniel and Charlotte there on YouTube. Where can people hear more from you, get in touch with you on social media, Barnaby? And you have a YouTube channel too, don't you? I have a YouTube channel. It's just called Barnaby. So uh, easy to remember that one. Uh, I am on Twitter. So you can um, search for me there. Just search for Barnaby Jago on Twitter. Uh, and uh, I'm also on the Type 40 um, podcast uh, where I join in on all the geeky and nerdgasms. It's lovely. Yes, don't miss any of that. Both Type 40 and Type 40 Live, just like Charlotte said. That's back soon. You can get podcast editions of those shows too on type40.podbean.com on that actual dedicated Type 40 feed or over on YouTube. Don't miss any of that. But yeah, that wraps it up this time. Wherever you sit on the Jodie Whittaker era and whether you're looking forward to Series 13 or not, whether you're even going to watch it or not, hey, we can watch it so you don't have to. It all works for us. Yeah, that is all we've got time for this time. We always have the time if you have the space here at Type 40. Thanks very much for your time. Bye-bye. Speak to you soon. A Doctor Who podcast is a Spacebook production for the Fandom Podcast Network with music by Problem Being.